The following audio was recorded by Gateway Church's student ministry program called 180. Gateway Student Ministry creates a come-as-you-are environment that leads to transformation and authentic faith. For more information about Gateway Student Ministry, visit gatewaychurch.com forward slash students. How you guys doing? Good. Oh, woo! Come on, baby, yeah. All right, here we go. Hey, well, I know it's a light night, but we're going to make it loud and fun in here, okay? So, hey, how was Thanksgiving? Was that wild, right? Good party? Good time? Good turkeys? So good. Well, hey, I know this is going to sound crazy, but like we're like two inches away from Christmas, right? So we have this week and next week, and then, then we're gone for like two weeks, and we come back for a week, and then you guys go off to winter camp. What's up with that, right? Woo! It's going to be great. So hey, so we're actually going to start our Christmas series right now, because we only have two weeks to do it, so we're going to knock it out. And over the next two weeks, we're going to be going through this idea of no room, okay? Because you probably heard it a million times over, the Christmas story of Mary and Joseph making their way back to Bethlehem to give birth to their, you know, scandalous child that like came from God, but they don't know what's going on. Like, it's just a weird story. So what I wanted to do just this first week is break it down really easy for you to just kind of look back over the story and kind of catch some more of the details. It seems kind of crazy. It looks like if you look at first glance, it looks like, man, Mary and Joseph like weren't prepared. Like who has a baby in like an animal trough? You know what I mean? Like it's kind of crazy. So we're going to look back and see like, why did that all happen? What was it all about? And I know that maybe some of you have heard this a lot. So I want to spice it up. Okay. Kind of like we did with the ugly duckling. This one's going to be better. I'm going to do my best to read you the narrative account in the voice of Morgan Freeman. Okay. So let me do this, okay? I'm going to prepare. This is in Luke 2, 1 through 5. Okay, are you ready? In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all in the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Cornelius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And... Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house of the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. Heck yeah, how do you like that? That's kind of weird, right? I know. Wasn't as cool as the ugly duckling, but we can also make me sound like a woman. Hi, my name's Tiffany. Just kidding. Okay, back to reality. It's good. But I just want to step back. That's a story you've heard over and over again. You hear this journey that Mary and Joseph, they have to go to Bethlehem, and they have this baby, and then the wise men come, the shepherds come. But I just want to give you kind of an insight into what's going on here. You have to remember that Mary and Joseph are like maybe 17 to 19 years old, like some of the age of some of you guys in here. They don't have a lot of money. They're pretty poor. And both of them had received angelic visions that they were going to give birth to the Son of God, the Messiah that had been promised to their people for thousands of years, which is crazy. I mean, you wouldn't believe that if you heard it. So both of them are kind of processing this, right? So Mary's way of processing this is kind of cool. She leaves to go stay with some relatives named Elizabeth. And you might not know this, but Elizabeth is pregnant with John the Baptist. This is kind of crazy. You didn't even know the two of them were like second cousins or whatever. But Elizabeth's there and she's like, okay, this angel told me I was going to have a baby and he was going to be the Messiah. And like now I'm actually pregnant. People can see. And I'm not married. And in this time, people were like super judgmental. So she's trying to like grapple with it all. And she kind of goes and visits her relatives. Joseph, on the other hand, is like, 
I don't know if I believe her. I don't know if I believe the angel, but he told me, the angel told me that I was going to be the father of this Messiah to raise this kid and stay with Mary. And I'm like thinking I might divorce her because it might be better not to be with her. And maybe I'll just do it quietly because I love her. I care about her, but I don't know if I can do all this. But they both pray about it. They have their time. And this stuff is kind of like removed from the scripture. You don't read about this there. But you can see by the timeline of things that are happening that they're processing through it. Just like you or I would if we're asked to do something really big and incredible. So as they're processing to it, they kind of come to this decision where they decide to trust God. So Joseph says, okay, I'm going to stick it out with you, Mary. I'm going to follow you. And they, and they continue to stay together. Now at that time, there was an order by Caesar Augustus. He was trying to get a, a census of the world, of trying to figure out the known world, right? Of like where everyone was, and that way they would be able to determine how to tax people well. So this wasn't a crazy idea of like, hey, go back to your hometown. But it was inconvenient, especially for Joseph and Mary. So Joseph's hometown was actually in Bethlehem, but Joseph and Mary were currently living in Nazareth, which is crazy. But this is the thing, is that they were told, hey, you got to go home. And so they knew, and they had time to prepare, and they had time to think about this, but it was going to happen fast. And what's really important about this, and I want you guys to pick up on this one piece, is that Bethlehem is significant because 700 years ago, before this time, there was a prophet that was writing about the coming Messiah. And they said, you, Bethlehem, actually, I'll read it to you, it's un- uh, Micah 5.2, it says, But you, O Bethlehem, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, for you shall come forth uh, from, for me, one who is able to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient of days. The coming Messiah was going to come out of Bethlehem. And you know, the Jews knew this, Mary and Joseph probably knew this, but the timing was just crazy. Like they were probably preparing a home in Nazareth and all that. And then all of a sudden they're like, okay, we need to go to Bethlehem. But the thing is, it's really, really hard to go to Bethlehem because it's 90 miles away and there's no Teslas. You know what I'm saying? So you're going to have to just track that baby with a donkey or your feet. Now let me tell you the distance is this. It's like from you walking from here in Austin to Waco. Okay, now imagine doing that with just a donkey. Donkeys poop, man. They stink. They smell like flies and, and farts. And they have to eat a lot of grass and water. It's just like it's a long journey to do that. And you're nine months pregnant. Guys, you might have a hard time imagining that. I definitely do. But that's just like an uncomfortable long ways. So probably hundreds of other people are going with them back for the census. Like they're not the only ones who are moving all around to go back to their homeland. And so, but the thing is for Mary, obviously being pregnant, it took a lot longer than you think. So back to the census, they're doing this to make sure they can get taxes and and all that figured out. But they don't have Airbnbs. There's not like hotel reservations you can call ahead for. It's literally like you're going back and if you don't have relatives or family that live there, you're gonna be begging people to say, hey, can I have a space in your house? Let me give you a little breakdown on the houses too. You think of like a home. Like I think my house is small in Cedar Park, but their homes were even smaller. Most homes were just one room. If you were lucky and maybe had a little bit of extra money, you had two rooms and then you had like a little kind of like like a lean-to that would be connected to the house or maybe against a cliff or a, a, a cave. And that's be where you'd put your animals, like a stall, if you were wealthy, right? But most people have this one room. So when people come into town, you're actually like sharing your room. Okay, you know there's some terrifying Christmas movies out there. Okay, like Christmas Vacation. Remember when like the grandparents come in, you have to like sleep, you imagine sleeping in your brother's room or your sister's room. It's like, it's gross. You know, they fart in their sleep. It smells weird. Like they make weird noises. Like some people, they snore like ducks. Like you just don't know what's going on. And imagine all being in one room. Like it's not pleasant. 
And then me just being in one room and it's like, okay, I'm going to push out a baby real quick. Can you just wait one minute, okay? Just let me just do this. Really. Like, that's just awful. But that was the circumstances that they were going into. So they're going back to Bethlehem. And while they were doing it, and the way that Luke writes this in that story I just read to you, it's like all over the place. Look at this. Luke 2.6 says, and while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. So all of a sudden, like, they're making their way there, and then they're there, and it's like, okay, it's time to give birth. And then he skips back, and, and 270 says, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there's no place for them in the inn. So that last piece seems like it should have been before that. Like, so you imagine Joseph's getting there, and he's trying to bang, and we don't know how many doors to say, my wife's about to pop, like, I need to come in, like, get some towels, get some water, like, dude... Like, my sister's on the couch, like, I'm on the bed, I'm sleeping with my mom, not in a weird way, but just, like, proximity-wise, okay? Like, there's some weird stuff going on in here, I can't have you popping out a baby, like, I'm sorry. And that probably happened to tons of times. And there maybe have been an inn where, like, someone was wealthy enough to build different rooms, but remember, remember, Mary and Joseph took longer to get there, they were pregnant, I mean, it's a big journey for them to take. And so there's no room for them, so Joseph is probably panicked, Mary's probably in pain, and you're wondering, God, what is your plan? You said 700 years ago that you were going to prepare this day, and yet the, your son is about to be birthed into nowhere, like on the side of the road, like we don't even know where. But see, God had a plan in all of this, and it's pretty amazing, and we're going to find out about it here in a second. So I don't want to rush through all the story, but there's this crazy freaking out that happens about where are we going to finally stay. So finally, there's this moment where an innkeeper says, well, hey, I don't have any room, but there's a place where the animals kind of stay. And it's, it's covered because, you know, we care about our animals. We don't want to leave them out there. But maybe it was like a lean-to, like I talked about, on the outside. Or often, in that time, in that area, it was probably like a cave in the side of, the, in the side of a mountain, right? And it would just kind of like go in, and the animals could get out of the rain and the weather, and they could stay there. And like, hey, there's, there's you know, some towels over there. There's, there's not towels. There's like swaddling, kind of like rags, essentially. There's some hay that we put in a manger, and that manger is really a trough. So it's like where sheep and stuff would eat, right? And this is what swaddling cloths look like right here, right? And so you have to imagine the inn. Here's a blueprint of it in the best way possible. That's the manger, yep. So there's like a stable, right? So the family living room, like you're talking about like a 10 by 10. You know what I'm saying? Your bedroom's probably bigger than that family room. Then you have the guest room if you're really, you know, doing pretty good. And then the stable... It doesn't look as clean as that. Like, sometimes it's a triangle. I mean, that's why you have different manger scenes. So if you see a manger scene, I think we have a picture of one I could show you. You like that nice Fisher-Price one? Like, with all the people, the little cartoon thing coming up somewhere on their little cart. There we go. Isn't that pretty? So nice. Probably not that at all. That looks like a Victorian dwelling place. That would have been great. But it's, like, in this leaky cold cave, probably. And there's animals pooping. You might have been sitting in poop. You don't even know. He's like, oh, that's warm. Oh, that's poop. That's why it's warm. So there's just this crazy, nasty place that Jesus goes. The manger that we're talking about where Mary lays her newborn is where, like, the animals would come and eat out of. Like, it was where you'd put straw and hay, and they'd come and pull food away from it. And that's the only place that's probably furnished. That's the only furnishing that's there. We talked about the inn, the space, how there really wasn't room. And then there's these swaddling cloths, which is really interesting, um, because what's so important about that is that the same time that this is all happening, shepherds in the fields are getting a message from an angel that says this in Luke 2.21b. It says, a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes is lying in a manger. Look for him. And that was their direction as they, hunt, they head into town looking for this chosen Messiah. 
So this crazy situation is unfolding as God brings forth the salvation of the world. And this is the craziest part about it. The world made no room for him. The people made no room for him. They did their best to try to accommodate where they could, but they didn't want to go too far out of their way to really make a space for the king. And so he was born in a trough where animals eat. That was disgusting and humbling and gross because so often in, the, in our world, like we don't make room for Jesus. Now it's okay because there's a far deeper concept for why he chose to be born in that, those kinds of circumstances. He came into the humility of humanity with a humble heart, with a humble beginning. But at the same time, a deeper message kind of resonates. This idea of there not being any room as Joseph goes from room to room trying to find a place where he can be. The question is, you know, same time then as the same time now, is is there room for him in your life? You know, I don't know about you, but I have like, I'm not a hoarder, okay, so don't get me like that, but like I collect things sometimes that should, like for whatever reason, I like have a lot of newspapers. I tell April's like, why do you have a lot of newspapers? Like, well, we might have a fire. She's like, do we need 100 newspapers? We might want to have 100 fires. Like, I don't know why, but there's a lot of newspapers. So I start, like, putting random things. Maybe you do this in your room, in my garage. My garage is just, like, a lot of stuff. Like, there's just stuff everywhere, right? And, like, over the years, if I don't make an intentionality of, like, organizing and putting things into place and, like, saying, hey, that needs to go because, like, I need room for this, then in a year, my garage is you can't even know, you don't recognize anything in there. It's like, what is this stuff? Like, there's newspapers, I see that, there's way too many. There's like, is that poop over? Like, I mean, you don't even know what's like going on in my garage. And the truth is, like, if I don't really get intentional, my garage becomes so cluttered that I don't know what's in there. And the truth is, in our lives, if we're not really intentional, our lives get busy. They get fast, they get moving. You fill your time up, you fill your life up with so many different things that eat away your time that oftentimes we even as believers, don't have room for Jesus in our life. For those of you in this room that maybe have never even considered making Jesus a part of your life, like this is a same invitation for you. Like what do you need to remove from your life so that Jesus can step into it? I'll tell you, even as a, as a man who's been following Jesus for a long time, there have been so many times, even in, in seasons recently, where I've needed to stop and say, hey Jesus, where have I lost you in this mess I call life? Like where you should be at the forefront, in the middle of it. You should be always given attention every day. I've kind of buried you in the boxes in the back and I haven't made room for you. She knows we celebrate this season of Christmas. We talk about the coming of the king. And as we celebrate the coming of the king, we also remember that he's coming back. And as you do that, reflect on just the idea of like, have you made room for Jesus in your life? When the king was about to be born into the earth, the people didn't even realize what was about to happen. They had no clue the crazy thing that was about to change the world forever. And that life-changing reality that was available then is still available now. Maybe you've forgotten about it, maybe you've gotten distracted from it, but man, you've got to go back to it. So where have you made room in your life for Jesus? Okay, let me pray for us really quick. God, thanks so much for, for who you are. Thank you for this truth about you, about the fact that you have come um, into our lives and where our world then was busy and crazy and cluttered, um, you still chose to make your presence known. And still here in this day, 2,000 years later, where our world is busy and cluttered, you're still having the same option for us that we can accept to believe in you, to make room in our lives for you, to connect to you, 
and to have you change our life. God, we love you, and we just pray as we reflect on Christmas, as we remember your, your coming as you promised for so many years, that we not forget the meaning of what this season is all about, that we celebrate that you have invited us into something greater than we could ever imagine. And so we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, before you guys go into small group, I got some stuff I want to share with you. So this will take up the last piece of our time here. So I, uh, um, I was, uh, I want to, you know, I've been serving here with you guys at Gateway for a long time. And in that time that I've served here, I've, I've really tried to tell you everything that I have tried to live by, which is by making Jesus the thing that I focus on, the thing that I follow, the thing that I dedicate myself to. And I mess up and I get off track just like you, but I've tried to hold fast to that truth that Jesus, if you connect to him, that everything's going to be okay. That in Jesus, it's not about the doing, but it's about the being. He doesn't care about all the stuff that you perform, the right things that you say, but he cares about where is your heart and where is it connected to him? Is it connected to the reality of the living God who is the person of Jesus? And so I've had some you know, things come up in my life recently where I've been really just trying to follow Jesus and what he's calling me into. And uh, one of those things that's come up for me recently is this really cool opportunity that Jesus has, has, has invited me into that, that's bittersweet. And that is uh, to move to Tennessee. And so that means that I am resigning from my spot here as student pastor here at Gateway Church um, at the end of December, so December 22nd. And I know that might shock some of you. Some of you might be like, I don't really care. And that's okay, too. But for those of you that do, I just want you to know that um, it's not easy. It has nothing to do with you. I actually, I want you to know that um, you are one of the greatest things I feel like I've ever been able to experience in my life. I love you guys so much more than you probably know, and being able to serve in this role with you has been one of the greatest honors of my life. Um, I think you're amazing people. I think you will change the world, and I'm so grateful that I got to just be uh, walking alongside you for so many years. I mean, the sophomores in the room, like I, I remember when you were sixth graders, and we were, you know, you were crazy, and you smelled bad, and you still do, and... uh, and just, there's just so much fun. But I, I want you to know this, that I really believe this, that Jesus is calling me into this next thing. And I know that so truly because it's just been so evident. I can tell you about it more in person. But I also know why it makes me excited for you is that somebody else is getting that same calling to come here, to be the new student pastor at Gateway Church. And that's amazing because they're following the Lord, I'm following the Lord, you're following the Lord, and nothing changes. But here's the other big thing I want you to remember. I'm nobody compared to your small group leader. You're a small group leader they're not going anywhere. They love you. They care for you. They value you. They think you're the, wor- the best thing in the world, okay? So don't, don't quit forsaking gathering together with them, being with them, letting them disciple and invest in you and love on you. Um, and I just can't wait for who comes next to really love on you and care for you and shepherd you into the next season of life. But in the interim, there's a cool guy I want to introduce you to that you've seen before. Ross, are you up here? Come on up here. Come on, Ross. So you guys have known Ross because he's been, he's spoken quite a few times here, but I want you to know Ross is one of the most genuine God-fearing men I know. And as they look for the next student pastor, Ross is going to step into this role and continue to lead y'all, teach y'all, move y'all into some great things. Your small group leaders are staying, but he's going to be here for you through anything. Um, So I just want you to, I want to thank you. Um, I love you guys. I think this has been so much fun for me. 
And uh, I'm really excited about what's coming next. I'm excited for y'all on what's coming next too. Sound good? All right, let me pray for us. Yeah, I love you guys too. Yeah. So. So I, I want to tell you, so your parents got an email about seven minutes ago, so they're aware of some of the changes that are happening. I know tonight's a light night, so some of your friends might not know. Feel free to text them or let them know, but also remind them your small group leaders are here. And I, I really, really believe that they are the youth pastors of Gateway. I mean, they're the ones that love you and that care for you, and they're here for you. And so as you go into small group, I know you might want to process this or whatever. I'm, you know my cell phone number. If you don't, I'll tell you. It's no secret. Um, and you can call or text me or your small group leaders, okay? So let me pray for us one more time, and then we'll go into small group. Sound good? God, thanks so much for, for who you are. Thank you for uh, the way that you have given us this space to worship you, to know you in deeper ways. God, we are so grateful um, for you because we know that because of you, we live and we move and we have our being. And so God, don't let us forget that. And even as I transition out, because I'm following you, would you remind them that they're still following you here? And that someone else is coming in to take them and push them and move them into greater things. Their small group leaders are here. And God, I just pray for Ross as he steps in. The godly, amazing man that he is, that he would continue to lead well, that he would listen to your voice, and that he'd move in your direction. God, we love you. We give you tonight. We give you our lives and the rest of the week. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you guys are dismissed. Thank you for listening to our podcast from Gateway Students 180 program. Please subscribe to stay updated on our current series. If you have any questions or comments, shoot us an email at students at gatewaychurch.com.